It is time for a national conversation, a national conversation about national conversations. This will be no ordinary sort of conversation because between you and me, I am starting to think that lefties who keep demanding national conversations don't actually want to have conversations at all. I don't know why I think that. We will discuss. We will converse. Then, why the total hysteria over illegal immigration is actually a healthy sign for our culture, not just in America, but across Western civilization. We will look at examples even back in the old country. Then, in some other good news for the culture, Chris Pratt preaches the gospel at the MTV Movie Awards. And finally, on this day in history, the U.S. executed Soviet spies Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, but the left just don't want to admit it. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. A lot of conversations to get to today. I, I think I spent about a solid 45 minutes just doing Twitter yesterday, and then there are all these sort of fake news articles that came out of it. We will discuss why lefties are so angry on these, these conversations on Twitter. Before we get to that, I got to make a little money, honey. We got to talk about a wonderful uh, piece of uh, software, which is software advice. <laughs> software advice is so important. When you're dealing with a real head scratcher, having your go-to person to call is a no-brainer. That is where software advice comes in. So I know this also because I've worked at small businesses, I've started businesses. Uh, when it comes to picking the right software for your business, software advice has done all the research for you. So you start a business and you need software to get started, but you don't know, what. well, is this client better than this client? Is this software better than this? How do you do it? How will this integrate? What will it do? Blah, blah, blah. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. You know, you've got to get a business off the ground. Do it the right way. Do it more effectively and do it uh, with uh, software advice, which is absolutely free. Just go to softwareadvice.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Answer a few short questions about your business. You will be connected with an advisor to discuss the best software options for your needs. Talking to an advisor takes just 10 minutes or less. And you know this, I'm a millennial, so I don't do anything that takes more than 10 minutes. Uh, whether you're a medical professional, a construction manager, an HR pro, you name it, whatever, across uh, industries, software advice will help you uh, save time and uh, help you make a more informed decision. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur or you work solo, software advice is a great way to get an expert opinion, even without the resources of a big company. Use these tools at your fingertips. They are really helpful. Experts are ready to be on call, your on call go-to team, and help you figure out business software in minutes for free. Why wouldn't you do it? end the software struggles today. Go to softwareadvice.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S to get started. That's softwareadvice.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Connect with an advisor for free. It's free. Come on, people. I'm, don't say I never did nothing for you. Come on. Softwareadvice.com slash Knowles. It's really helpful. Uh, when I've when I've worked with these small businesses, you can waste so much time and a lot of money trying to figure out the right software. Okay. Let's have our conversation. Let's have our conversation first about the conversation. There's so many conversations today. This is a real one though. Uh, the conversation is coming up with the big boss himself, Mr. Ben Shapiro, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific. You know how to do it. Only Daily Wire subscribers can ask the questions. Ben will answer the questions in real time. Just go to that page on the Daily Wire website, type in your question, they will be answered by the lovely Alicia Krause in the order that they come in. Be sure to tune in for it. Everybody can watch, but only subscribers can ask questions. Many are called, but few are chosen. Ask Ben every question you've ever wanted to know. Ben, what does your wife do for a living? I, people have, I've been trying, I've known Ben for years at this point. He's never actually told me. So you can ask that question yourself. Watch the conversation. 
5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific, and become a subscriber. That way you can talk to Ben uh, yourself. You know, it's weird, though, because I'm a subscriber, and, but Ben won't talk to me. I, maybe, I, maybe I've got to take that up with uh, HR or something like that with my subscription manager at the Daily Wire. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk. I want to have a conversation with you about national conversations. That's the euphemism that Democrats and lefties are always using whenever they just want to shove something down your throat. So they say we need a national conversation for it. You know, even people on the right have picked up this kind of language. Uh, Let's take a look at just a, a quick little overview of all of the national conversations. We are, uh, we're having a national conversation about it. Now to help drive a national conversation. We've ignited a national conversation about mental health. Trying to advanced the cause of the national conversation about such things as immigration. National conversation around sexual harassment. Behind this national conversation on transgender rights. You know, we must have a national conversation on race. Donald Trump's vulgar remarks about women started a national conversation about sexual assault. Did it, did it now, Mr. CBS anchor guy. National conversation means whatever Democrats want to talk about and Democrats talking to you about them. That's what a a national conversation is. Look at uh, Donald Trump. Uh, For those of you who can't see it, this is the image on on CBS News. Donald Trump's lewd comments started a national conversation on sexual assault, and it says hashtag not okay underneath Donald Trump. This is on CBS. This is purportedly a journalist outlet. Uh, Okay, so Donald Trump said some vulgar things in a private conversation to Billy Bush, little locker room talk. That started a national conversation. But when Bill Clinton was uh, sexually harassing his interns and actually raping people, that didn't start a national conversation, right? Why didn't it start a national conversation? Oh, because you people control the national conversation, or at least you used to before the new media broke the mainstream media's stranglehold on what we're all talking about. It. Now, you've got to see through this euphemism. There are so many of these lefty euphemisms we hear about. Politically correct does a lot of this, right? There are all these little terms that we use that don't really mean what we say that they mean. This is one of them because it's not a conversation. I'll tell you this. This happened to me yesterday on Twitter. Some comic book guy with a blue check mark, I don't know what he does. uh, He started tweeting all these vulgar and mean things at me because... I was suggesting that we shouldn't have completely open borders and we should try to stop illegal immigration because it hurts both the United States and the illegal aliens themselves. And he started tweeting all these awful things and then he said, okay, goodbye, have a nice day, goodbye, stop, no, do, do, right? And they're just yelling invective and accusations. He called all Trump supporters racists and evil and wicked and terrible. A lot of other uh, blue check marks jumped in on the thread. And that's what they want in a conversation. They want to uh, slander people, libel people, say you're awful and you're hateful and I use a lot of profanity and then that's it and then leave. And, and you see this a lot uh, even on Twitter. Another person who responded, they said, uh, they said something mean and they said, okay, thanks, bye, bye, bye Felicia. That's another uh, lefty kind of meme. They say, bye Felicia, goodbye, I'm not listening to you, I'm not talking to you anymore. This even goes all the way up to serious elected Democrats. Uh, Hillary Clinton and Chief Liawatha, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren herself, Focahontas, uh, they both tweeted to Donald Trump, delete your account. So Hillary Clinton tweeted, she said, 
delete your account when he said something, who knows? And then Elizabeth Warren, the same thing. Seriously, delete your account, delete it, right? That's not a conversation. That's the opposite of a conversation. <laughs> They're actually saying, shut up. When the left calls for a national conversation, they are telling you, conservative, to shut up and listen to us. It is, you know, I, I did a PragerU video on this, on how the left manipulates language to mean the opposite of what it is, like a social justice, which to when the left says it, it means not justice. Justice, <laughs> you know, and so the uh, that's what they do with the conversation. It means not a conversation, the opposite of a national conversation. Then that kid from uh, the the school that had that awful shooting in Florida, uh, David Hogg, who uh, immediately after the shooting became a CNN celebrity and was on CNN all of the time, he uh, recently tweeted out, "If we get these advertisers pulled, maybe Laura Ingram." will have to become a camp counselor and learn how wrong she is. And this just came out today. David Hogg and some of the other uh, activists from that county in Florida have been trying to get Laura Ingram kicked off the air for a long time. Why? Because they disagree with her opinion. That's not a national conversation, is it? That's trying to shut up the other side. That is, and you see this on campuses all the time. People physically assaulting uh, speakers at campuses. Ben Shapiro goes to Berkeley. It costs $600,000 to secure the city and the campus against a five foot nine Orthodox Jewish guy who's relatively mild mannered. <laughs> you know, uh, I, there was a free speech uh, conference at Yale. And uh, as the students were walking into the conference, there were protesters spitting on them, literally spitting on them. They say, how dare you want to speak? Puh. You know, so uh, it, uh, it's all the opposite here. Why is it? Why is that the national conversation for Democrats? It's because they don't understand what you're saying. You, you can tell this in all conversation. I reference Twitter because it's where people have these very fast uh, conversations all the time. And sometimes there are a lot of followers, so these conversations are magnified and we can watch them. But Twitter is not an aberration. Twitter is the nat natural conclusion of conversation and of people's character. So it, it, it is conversations that's really uh, that are really happening. But they say that uh, character is what you do when you think nobody's looking. I think a lot of these people wouldn't come up and look you in the face and say you're an evil, vicious Nazi because they're probably afraid of you. You're gonna, you know, they, they don't have the courage to do that. They don't have the guts. But from behind their keyboards, from behind their screens, they'll say whatever they want. You know, character is what you do when nobody's looking at you in the room. They, you know, a lot of people have courage there. And so it, it's this natural conclusion. But who would ever talk to somebody that way. I tr you know, when you look at two people having a conversation in real life, on television, on a debate stage, or on Twitter, the person who's calm and who just sort of responds with uh, citing certain facts or certain logical arguments, that guy probably knows what he's talking about. And the person who's screaming and ripping his hair out and yelling invective and all that, maybe that guy doesn't know exactly what he's talking about. It is actually a pretty good mirror for conversation. And usually the, the louder people are, the less they know. The, the more they're screaming, the more profanity they use, the less confident they are of their opinion because they have to juice it up with all these sort of little add-ons. Uh, so, uh, you know, listen, I've invited a lot of Democrats on this show. I've invited a ton of lefties, wackos, radicals, Democrats. The only one really who's come on is Tom Arnold. 
So, you know, uh, Tom Arnold did uh, come off a little uh, eccentric on the show, but, and a lot of people are attacking him for that. But I got to say, at least he came on. All these Democrats calling for a national conversation, they'll never come on the show. They won't do it. Why? Because they're not confident of their views. They don't know what they're talking about. And when you don't know what you're talking about, you get very angry. And there was that wonderful study from Jonathan Haidt that came out a number of years ago, which uh, showed that the conservatives broadly understand the left much, much better than the left understands conservatives. And if you don't understand conservatives, if you're a lefty and you don't understand why someone would want to enforce our own immigration laws or why we don't want perfectly open borders where uh, people can flood un- unvetted into the United States, if you don't understand that, then the, the person who is offering those opinions can be one of two things, stupid or evil right? If you're a progressive, you have an idea of progress, you have a utopia at the end of the line, then if you're going to stand in the way of progress, which is so clear, you can either be stupid or evil. And when they look at well-spoken conservatives, they say, oh, you have to be evil. And when they look at inarticulate conservatives, they say, you have to be stupid. But the answer, of course, is neither. I don't think that the left is stupid or evil. I'll tell you what I think they are before we do that. Let's talk about ExpressVPN. This is so important. This is so, so important. You are being tracked. You are being spied on right now by mobile carriers, by internet service providers, by possibly hackers uh, who have total access to your web history and internet data. And if I know anything about my audience, it's that they look at some pretty weird stuff on the internet. That's going to be my bet. I'm not exactly a gambling man. (laughs) You know, you go sometimes late at night, you go down into the basement, you open up that secret tab on the browser, and then you type in D. A-I-L-Y, wire.com, daily wire. And you start, you hope no one's looking or anything. Yeah, well, you don't want people to know about that. Come on, ExpressVPN can really help. It encrypts your traffic and sensitive data while masking your IP address. It conceals your online activity from everybody. Look, it's all in the news. You've been getting all those emails and new privacy policy, new privacy, new privacy. Yeah, right. All of Mark Zuckerberg's going before Congress, these big tech giants who have all of your data that we've just given to them for some reason, they've all been testifying because they know this is a big deal. Uh, Don't let them track you. Comcast, Verizon, Time Warner, the list goes on and on and on. With ExpressVPN, my internet data is encrypted with my IP address hidden. It's less than seven bucks a month. It's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar, dozens of other expert reviewers. Seriously, guys, seven bucks a month. You do not want your personal data out there. You don't want people spying on you, especially if you use public Wi-Fi at the coffee shop or the airport or whatever. Do not do it. It is the best seven bucks you're going to spend. Uh, make sure uh, you'd be crazy to go on unsecured Wi-Fi these days. Uh, take back your internet privacy today. Find out how you can get three months for free. Don't say I never did nothing for you. Go to expressvpn.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. That is E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. I hope you're good at spelling. That is three months free with a one-year package. Every day you use the internet with ExpressVPN, you're putting sensitive information. Oh, I'm sorry. Every day you're using it without ExpressVPN, you're putting your sensitive information at risk. When you use ExpressVPN, you'll be protecting your data, and that is really, really valuable. Do not put it off. Do it right now. ExpressVPN.com slash Kofefe to learn more. So I, I don't think that lefties and Democrats and all the ones who are yelling invectives and everything against us, I don't think that they're stupid or evil, broadly speaking. I just think they're uh, ignorant. They're ignorant of these things. When they come out, you know, 
2014-2015, Barack Obama was doing exactly the same thing that everyone is hysterical for Donald Trump doing right now on immigration. Minors were being detained. They were being detained by the U.S. government. In some cases, they were being separated from their families. In some cases, they were being held in custody with their families, which the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled is illegal. So then they had to be pulled away from their families. Uh, this is the New York Times reporting on this, 2014, 2015. Judge G also found that migrant children had been held in widespread deplorable conditions. I got to tell you, if, if, if for those of you who don't believe in a divine hand and everything, look at that adjective there, deplorable conditions. <laughs> As the left is losing its mind over a, a policy that Donald Trump is basically just continuing and in some ways finally enforcing, the word that, that uh, the New York Times used to describe and this judge used to describe the Obama administration years ago is deplorable. That's <laughs> too good. Uh, in border patrol stations after they were first caught, and she said the authorities had wholly failed uh, to provide the safe and sanitary conditions required for children, even in temporary cells. So by the way, all the stories that are coming out, these opportunistic Democrat politicians are now flooding down to these centers where the children are being held by HHS not by U.S. Marshals, but by HHS. And they're flooding down there to interview them and get a good photo op or whatever. But they're all admitting the conditions are actually pretty nice. They have nice murals on the walls and they're being cared for very nicely. It's not like they're in a gulag or something or in prison. Uh, except when Barack Obama was doing, kids actually were being held in deplorable conditions, much worse conditions than they're being held in under the Trump administration. But no one's really talking about that, are they? We'll get to why in a little bit. Uh, the New York Times goes on, quote, initially, Homeland Security officials said they were detaining the families to send a message to others in Central America to deter them from coming to the United States illegally. There it is. There it is. The main argument against President Trump enforcing immigration laws that were passed years ago, actually just enforcing them, the main argument they're saying is he is doing this to be mean. He's doing this to send a deterrent to people who would cross the border. He wants to be so awful and terrible and mean and nasty that people won't keep coming across the border. Homeland security officials under Barack Obama admitted that they were doing this very thing. Do you see that trending on Twitter right now? Is that trending in the national conversation? Are the networks, the television networks that are spending an absurd amount of time covering uh, the Trump administration's alleged misdeeds here. Are they talking about those deplorable conditions and those uh, deterrents that the Obama administration were putting into place? Of course not. That gets to the nature of the national conversation. We'll get to that in a second. The news coverage over the over six days in June, we're talking about six days of coverage. How long do you think they spent covering this issue? What would you say? Maybe they do a couple minutes a night so yeah, there's this law in the books and now the Trump administration is enforcing it. I don't know why this is news that the federal government is enforcing its own laws, but right. 176 minutes of emotional segments. And by emotional segments, I mean little babies crying, children crying and they're yelling, where's mommy? They're crying, right? 176 minutes of this because the federal government is enforcing the law because Donald Trump is doing what Barack Obama did. Now, do you think, do you think that they uh, were covering this under Barack Obama? How long do you bet they spent? So 176 minutes under Donald Trump. How long do you think they spent under Barack Obama when he was doing exactly the same thing? What do you, 
do you, uh, the number is uh, six minutes. <laughs> it's six minutes and 29 seconds. 176 minutes under Donald Trump, six minutes and 29 seconds under Barack Obama for doing the exact same thing, except in the case of Barack Obama, the conditions that the children were being held in were much worse. That's the difference. CBS alone, we saw that the ridiculous propaganda clip in the national conversation from CBS. CBS alone has spent 73 minutes in six days this month talking about the awful, horrific, unspeakable crime of the federal government enforcing its own laws and following what the Ninth Circuit judges told us we had to do. That's the difference. They're doing this and they're pretending that it's conversation. This isn't a conversation. If it were a conversation, then the networks would be airing the same number of uh, segments when Barack Obama did it. If this were a conversation, they wouldn't be these emotionally manipulative clips of little babies crying. They would have people on discussing whether or not we should enforce the law, whether or not we should repeal the law, having a sane conversation. A conversation is basically impossible with the left these days because we don't speak the same language. And, and I, I don't think there's equal share of blame to go around. It is the left which has abandoned language. They don't know what we're talking about. It is uh, ignorance. And unfortunately, there are some people on the right here who are falling for it. And this is the squishes. The squishes on the right, like, uh, like Yeb Bush, keep, uh, <laughs> they keep falling for this sort of thing. So uh, what did Jeb say? He came out, he said, we need to give these dreamers a path to citizenship. And it's heartless what tr Donald Trump is doing. It's heartless. Please, New York Times, like me. Like, why don't you like me, New York Times? That's what uh, uh, Yeb Bush is coming out and saying. Uh, it, it, they're falling for it. Laura Bush published that awful op-ed, that terrible uh, slander against Republicans and against the Trump administration yesterday, saying that if you, uh, you're basically a bad person if you think we should enforce immigration law, that was signed into law under her husband. She failed to mention that in the, in the op-ed that she wrote, didn't she? Uh, Donald Trump knows better than this. We're very lucky that the guy is in office right now because lesser, weaker politicians, this would have broken them. The call, you hate little children, you hate little babies. Forget that it's all nonsense. Forget that it's all media manipulation. This would have broken other presidents. They would have said, I'm sorry, we'll stop it. My bad, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Not Donald Trump. He doubles down. He, uh, he responds, he says, crime in Germany up 10% plus since migrants were accepted. And this is not being reported and America be smart. Now that seems like a zag. Why is he, why is he talking about crime in Germany? He's talking about crime in Germany uh, be, to, to put an image to what this could mean for the United States. We see what's happening in Germany. We know that the, the country is being flooded with uh, aliens and ref, refugees, quote unquote, who are causing a lot of uh, terror attacks. And he says, if you, if you don't have borders, you don't have a country. In the past four years, a thousand people in Germany have been killed and injured by refugees thousand people in four years by refugees. He's drawing that image for you. And he kept on swinging. Here's President Trump. Democrats love open borders. Let the whole world come in. Let the whole world. MS-13 gang members from all over the place. Come on in. We have open borders. And they view that possibly intelligently, except that it's destroying our country. They view that as potential voters. Someday they're going to vote for Democrats, because they can't win on their policies, which are horrible. They found that out in the last presidential election.
In fact, their only policy was that Donald Trump is a bad guy. He's a bad person. Vote against Trump. And they said it so many. There's hundreds of millions of dollars of negative ads. Nobody's ever been hit like that. I used to go home. I started disliking myself. <laughs> true. I said, man, am I that bad? That's, that's exactly right. That's all they've got. They go, you're bad. You're bad. And you say, but what about this? They say, uh, 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 uh you're bad. I, I, if we were to actually have a national conversation in this country, I think this is what it would look like. Clip two. I want you to tell me the names of the fellows on the St. Louis I'm, team. I'm telling you who's on first. What's on second. I don't know who's on third. Do you know the fellow's names? Yes. Well then who's playing first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name on first base. Who? The fellow playing first base for St. Louis. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you who is on first. I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who is on first? Have you got a first baseman on first? Certainly. Side? Then who's playing first? Absolutely. <laughs> when you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. Why not? The man's entitled to it. Who is? Yes. So who gets it? Why shouldn't he? Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Who's wife? Yes. Mm. After all, the man earns it. Who does? Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? Oh, no, no. What is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? That's what I'm trying to find out. Well, don't change the players. I'm not changing nobody. Take it easy. What's the guy's name on first base? What's the guy's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. We're not talking about him. Abbott and Costello, that is the national conversation that is happening right now between Republicans and Democrats, between the right and the left. The Republicans and Democrats are Bud Abbott, the tall guy, the straight man, or I'm sorry, the Republicans are Bud Abbott, the tall guy, the straight man. The Democrats are Lou Costello, the sort of shorter, pudgier, unkempt one wearing the silly hat. That is, that is, actually, I think I just described the Democrat party perfectly. That is the national conversation because an often overlooked aspect of who's on first, maybe the most famous comedy routine in history, is that the straight man, Bud Abbott, understands exactly what's going on. He can tell, it's not, it isn't that complicated. The reason that this is funny is because we understand what's going on, because it isn't that complicated. And then Lou Costello, who's the comic guy who just can't understand anything, he is the Democrat, he, uh, he can't figure out that who is on first, what is on second, I don't know is on third. He, he can't figure it out. And that's what's so funny about it. So, it, you know, you've got Bud Abbott there, the Republican straight man who just says, look, I'll tell you the names of everybody on the team. I won't get confused. Who's on second? What's on, uh, who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. And then Lou Costello comes in. He says, wait, who's on, who's on second? What's on first? I don't know who's right. And he can't get it. That's what's happening in the United States. We, we did uh, that interview with Tom Arnold. Tom said, uh, you know, Trump is a Russian asset. I said, explain how. And he couldn't explain how. Because it was just, a, it was a simple question that could have led, but he couldn't explain how because they're, the Democrats just have this list of talking points. I don't mean to pick on Tom. Uh, everyone is spewing this on that side of the aisle. All they have are these shallow talking points. They can't follow a logical argument. They're not interested in following a logical argument. Then getting back to who's on first, uh, you see Bud Abbott, he stays basically calm. He says, look, this is what it is. Naturally, 
Naturally, absolutely, do to do to do. And Lou Costello, he's getting angrier and angrier. He goes, why, I, ooh, I'm gonna zing zing, right? And that is the Democrats right now. They're ripping their hair out. And they're also wearing stupid hats, just like Lou Costello. They're going out there and wearing those silly hats. This is in black and white, so I can't tell if Lou Costello's hat is pink or not, but that is what the Democrats are doing right now. You can't have a natural, national conversation with that. They, they aren't up to the level of discourse. They aren't uh, sufficiently... Uh, able to use language and to process ideas to, to be able to communicate that. Somebody on Twitter tweeted out at me, some lefty said, uh, F you and F this and F and do, 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 do. And uh, some other blue check mark guy, I don't know, I think he's a writer. Uh, he said, I couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I said, I know you couldn't have said it better. That's the sad part about our culture. <laughs> You're a professional writer and you couldn't say it better. David McCulloch says to write well is to think clearly. That's why it's so hard. When you see these wacko uh, lefties on Twitter using profanity and slurs and calling you all sorts of bad things, it's because they aren't thinking clearly. But if they're not thinking clearly, if they're not willing to use their cognitive faculties, you cannot have a conversation. That is just not uh, possible. And so at least some people like uh, President Trump, they see this for what it is. The, the squishy people, they look, they see the Democrats get really angry. They say, oh, we should take them seriously. We should try to seriously engage with your temper tantrums and with your invective and your slurs. We should seriously. And Donald Trump says, no, I'm not going to reward you for acting like a little child. I wouldn't have a, a heightened discourse with a little toddler. They're not capable of that. They're all emotion and angry and, and not able to think clearly. So I'm just going to punch right back. I'm going to hit you right back. And he keeps doing that. He's not uh, taking the Democrat premises and we shouldn't either. They're not interested in a national conversation. They're interested in entrapment and just using a cudgel and banging you on the head. That's what they want. Like Lou Costello starts to get angry with the bat, right? He goes, I'm going to get you. But then no, don't let them do it. Don't let them do it because that's what they want. Here's another great example of this is the UN Human Rights Council. It was just announced today that we're pulling out of the UN Human Rights Council. And this was another, this was a headline on the left. They said, oh my gosh, Donald Trump is pulling out of the UN Human Rights Council. Oh no, no. Who, who's on the UN, UN Human Rights Council? Let's just see if I can remember a few. Uh, Cuba, Cuba's on it. Uh, Venezuela, people starving in the street eating rats. Venezuela's on the human rights. Uh, Saudi Arabia, is on the Human Rights Council. Yeah, that's, they finally let women drive this year. They're, they're finally considering letting women drive. Uh, China, which uh, had a national policy for decades of mass abortion of uh, children. Uh, those are the, that's the, and it's been a slave state since the communist, communists took power. So the, that's the Human Rights Council. Donald Trump saw through that. He doesn't get tricked by uh, those, those claims, those premises. He says, nope, here's reality. It's really, and this is actually good news for the culture. We're going to have to sign off, but before we do that, I do want to point out, this is a good thing. This is the last, last gasps of a sick culture. The tide is turning. The left has nothing left. Worldwide, uh, Italy has just uh, elected a government that wants to deal with this craziness, with the craziness, the illogic of open borders, for instance. And it's actually sort of what we would call bipartisan. There's this right-wing party, the, the Movimento Cinque, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Lega party, and then this sort of left-wing party, the Movimento Cinque Stelle, uh, and they've formed this coalition government. Matteo Salvini is the interior minister there, and he turned away a ship of so-called refugees the MS Aquarius. And this, these aren't refugees who were just off the coast of Calabria and they pulled them on shore. These boats would go and prowl the Libyan coast and find anybody who was, you know, sitting in a 
tube drinking a daiquiri, probably not exactly doing that, but who are very close to the Libyan coast and pick them up and bring them to Europe and they get to stay in Europe. And Italy has to deal with all of that. It doesn't make any sense. There are 1.26 billion people in Africa. Is Italy going to absorb uh, over a billion people? I don't think so. Uh, by the way, this, this got shock and indignation all around Europe. Germany was horrified. France, Macron was horrified. Oh no, this is terrible. What could happen? Uh, meanwhile, by the way, as, as, as uh, Angela Merkel is so shocked and horrified by this, the German interior minister, Horst Seehofer, who's the head of, uh, of Bavaria's Christian Union, so a Christian social union, actually called up Salvini and congratulated him. He said, oh, thank you for having common sense. And finally turning this away. Uh, Salvini said to Macron, he said, oh, if you're so upset about this, how about you take all these refugees for years and years and years? Uh, Macron hasn't responded yet. And 60% of Italians support this policy. 60, because there is a turning, not just in the United States, but worldwide. It's working. How bad in the United States? Trump's popularity, mainstream media breathlessly reporting, the poor little kids that are being ripped out, making up total fake news with regard to the Obama administration. Trump's popularity hits an all-time high, 45% amidst all of this, all-time high, 45%. There's a top uh, Democrat candidate running for Congress in West Virginia. His name's Richard Ojeda. Uh, he, he's campaigning on this line, I voted for Trump. That's, that's one of his campaign lines. <laughs> top Democrat prospect is saying, I voted for Trump. Please vote for me. Really, really good news for the culture. Uh, we've got even more good news for the culture. Uh, we've got to talk about Chris Pratt. We've got to talk about, uh, we've got to get our daily World Cup update. And we've got to talk about the Rosenbergs, uh, America executing Soviet spies back when we had a spine. But I've got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. I'm sorry, folks, but yeah, it's all right. You'll, you'll get to come back later and see the conversation uh, with the big boss, Ben Shapiro. That's coming up soon. If you subscribe, you get me, you get the Andrew Clavin Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show. $10 a month, $100 for an annual membership. None of that matters. This is what matters. Because the mainstream media, they are losing their minds. They are Lou Costello. Why? I, but, uh, they're running all this. And, oh, wow. Wow. That tastes like 45% approval ratings, doesn't it? It really does. I go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back. You didn't watch the MTV Movie Awards last night? I'm shocked. If you missed it, <laughs> here's all you need to see from it. This being the Generation Award, I'm going I'm to cut to the chase and I'm going to speak to you, the next generation, okay? I accept the responsibility as your elder, so listen up. You have a soul. Be careful with it. God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. Learn to pray. It's easy and it's so good for your soul. And finally, number nine, nobody is perfect. People are going to tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be. But there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood. Do not forget it. Don't take it for granted. God bless you. Please get home safely. Thank you. Preach, preach Chris. Chris from governor of California. I mean, what a wonderful speech from Chris Pratt, a movie star. And we're finally hearing that. And you heard, by the way, when he said God exists, there's a cheer. 
There was a huge amount of applause in the audience. This is, I really think we're, we're uh, turning a corner here. I really think that the more they turn up this hysteria, it's because they're losing. The left is losing after so long they aren't making. And so thank goodness we have political leaders who are willing to stand firm and say, nope, we're not going to have open borders. We're not going, I'm, no, you failed. Your policy failed. Your policy is morally idiotic. We are going to protect our country and stand firm against that. It doesn't matter. It's just like a little, they're just bubbling all their, all their anger, but it, they're, it's because they're losing. And then on the culture, you got guys like Chris Pratt coming up. He got the generation award, right? He comes up and he says, all right, here's my advice, kiddos. Uh, God is real. You have a soul and protect it and you better pray. <laughs> and you're not perfect. And when people try to affirm you, because that was clearly a shot at this uh, uh, self-empowerment, uh, uh, self-esteem movement, uh, daily affirmation kind of uh, culture that we're in now, where they say, you're perfect. Don't change. You're wonderful the way you are. Chris Pratt says, no, you're not. You're obviously imperfect and grace abounds because you're imperfect. Beautiful, beautiful stuff and really gives you hope for the culture. Something else gives me hope for the culture too. This is really important. So I don't know if you've been following this. Uh, we've, we've mentioned soccer on the show in the last couple days. You probably haven't seen it. We haven't made a big deal about it, but we've brought up the World Cup a little bit. And so all the girls in the office, all the girls in the office and Paul Bois are pretending to like soccer right now. And it's very, it's very frustrating and somewhat amusing uh, because uh, nobody can name any soccer players ever, but they're like kind of hot or something. I don't know. Right. And it's very fashionable to like soccer now. So uh, (laughs) you might've seen me, Alicia and I were sniping at each other on Twitter this morning. And she sent me an article. She said, see, this is from deadline. And the, the headline from deadline is Fox sports scores viewership record with Mexico's world cup win and Brazil tie with Swiss. And I got very upset when I saw that. I got very depressed. I thought, oh, the culture's over. doesn't matter about Chris Pratt. doesn't matter that we're closing up our border. It's not, it's, it's over, right? But then I looked a little more closely. I said, viewership record, Fox Sports, that a World Cup game is the biggest audience they ever drew. And I realized they left a couple words out of that. They left out a soccer game record. So they, it must be in brackets. Fox Sports scores viewership soccer game record with Mexico's blah, blah, blah. So the, the game had four and a half million viewers. To put that into context, uh, Super Bowl 44 had 114.4 million viewers. So about 3.9% of the viewership of the Super Bowl watched this record-setting World Cup game. Uh, 25 times, more than 25 times, as many people as watched that record-setting World Cup game watched Super Bowl 44. Uh, the Oscars 2018, that was an all-time low in ratings, all-time low in viewership, still got over 26 million people. So it, the worst, lowest rated Oscars ever got six times as many viewers as the record-setting World Cup game. The average NFL game gets 14.9 million viewers. That is the average World Cup, uh, average NFL game. The lowest rated of last season was uh, about 8 million, a little over like 8.1 million. And the highest was almost 26 million uh, compared to four and a half million for the record setting World Cup game. (gasps) Oh, thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. But this does show you something, by the way, the deadline uh, headline, which we're seeing in a lot of places, you know, record setting viewership is way, way up. It's just propaganda. There is a concerted effort 
among the media to get Americans to like soccer. And they're not even hiding it. They write articles all the time that say, you should like soccer. Here's why you should watch soccer. I talked about this on the Andrew Clavin show the other day. But it's fake news. Thank goodness. It gives me hope for the culture as I lose half of my audience. Uh, finally, we only have a few minutes left, but I do want to wrap up on this day in history. Because on this day in history, the United States government fried a couple of Soviet spies who are directly responsible for killing American soldiers. I speak, of course, of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, who were uh, executed by the government on this day in history in 1953. This is an important case, not really because of the Rosenbergs, but because of what it means for the left in America and our national conversation, as we always call it. So Julius was, uh, he worked in the Army Signal Corps Engineering Laboratory, and uh, he was, you know, working around this laboratory on important projects, right, at a time when the United States is developing a, atomic bombs and uh, fighting major wars and, try, you know, really trying to get an edge on our opponents, but not only uh, in the Axis powers, but also uh, uh, after our alliance with Russia. And uh, uh, he was fired when it was discovered that he was a member of the Communist Party. So uh, for years, his co-defendant, Morton Sobel, uh, said that he was innocent uh, the Rosenberg's children said the parents were innocent. They were innocent. They talked for decades. And the American left defended them for decades and decades and decades until 2008 when old Morty Sobel admitted they were all guilty. They were all spies. They were spies for the Soviet Union. The left insisted for a whole half century. They're martyrs. They're, they were martyrs from the government, which is repressive and trying to put down dissent and was trying to shut up left-wing voices. And they unjustly killed these innocent people with trumped up charges. Nope, turns out that was all fake. And I bet a lot of you in high school learned that the Rosenbergs were killed unjustly, that it was a setup, that uh, they, there's no evidence that they were, uh, that they were really spies. This still persists. In 2008, their co-conspirator admitted we tried to pass on uh, nuclear technology to the Soviets, nuclear secrets, and they did pass on other secrets. In 2015, the New York City Council under Bolshevik Mayor Bill de Blasio uh, honored Ethel Rosenberg for her great bravery. We know for a fact that she passed on uh, secrets to the Soviets. We know that Ethel, by the way, according to... Uh, many historians, hid money. She hid espionage paraphernalia for her husband. She acted as an intermediary between the Soviets and her husband. She was present at many meetings. We, we know all of this. And yet there was a study by the historian uh, Larry Schweikart, who's at the University of Dayton, that showed that uh, a hu a met very few textbooks admit that the Rosenbergs are guilty. The vast majority of textbooks say, oh, they were innocent. Or this is another trick they use. They say, oh, it's controversial. It was a controversial decision. You hear this, oh, Donald Trump's policy at the border is controversial. Why is it controversial? It was, it was passed by Democrats. It was signed into law two administrations ago. It was enforced at various times. What's controversial? It's like the opposite of controversial, right? But they use that to, to cast doubt. The, uh, the Columbia professor, Eric Foner, uh, said until very recently, he said, uh, they were prosecuted, the Rosenbergs, out of a determined effort to root out dissent, to shatter careers and suppress civil liberties. No, they were just commie spies. They were just communist spies. The, the Rosenbergs uh, tried to give the Soviets top secret information from the Manhattan Project. They did hand over top military data on sonar and radar. That information led directly to the Russians shooting down U.S. planes in the Korean conflict in the Vietnam War. That led directly to that. Rosenbergs have blood on their hands. Uh, this, they did the same thing with Alger Hiss, by the way, the American left. 
Alger Hiss was a, a State Department official. He helped start the UN and uh, he was accused of being a communist spy. He was accused by Whitaker Chambers, another ex-communist uh, party member and uh, who admitted to spying himself and nobody believed Chambers. Everybody defended Hiss. How dare you? How dare you say this? Really only Richard Nixon uh, came out and said, I, I believe Chambers. I think Hiss is a dirty, rotten commie. And it finally, it turned out that Hiss was a communist and they never forgave Nixon for that. That's why they uh, left dogged him his entire career. Uh, so the takeaway here is do not let the left get to you. When we have our national conversations and they call you all manner of evil and say terrible things about you, slander from these people is a badge of honor. It means you're doing something right because it means that you're onto something. It means that, uh, you know, you're maybe you're getting a little too close for comfort and they will slander you and they'll try to destroy you. But th that's the point. When the left is saying nice things about you, you're probably doing something wrong. Look at uh, Jeb Bush right now. Look at Mrs. Bush right now. Uh, th that's not the place where you want to be. There are always those, you know, the, the Republican who Democrats, who, who the left really likes, the, the Republican who the New York Times really likes that guy's usually doing something wrong, right? That's the evidence that you're doing something wrong. Don't be that guy. Don't let the left get to you and persevere in our national conversation, knowing that nobody wants to have a conversation with you on the left. They are trying to hit you. Don't be naive. We're supposed to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Those squishy Republicans want to be wise as dove and, and, and innocent as serpents. Don't do it, folks. Uh, keep, uh, keep your eyes peeled and, uh, and look at reality square in the face because we are winning the culture. It's turning in our direction. Okay, that's the show. I will see you tomorrow. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up this week. Make sure to get your mailbag questions in. Tune in for the conversation later on today. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Villarreal. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer, Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.